Hello, and welcome to the First Baptist Hanford podcast. Our primary mission at FBH is to love God, love people, and serve the world. We hope that this weekly podcast will encourage you in your daily walk with Christ as we play for you our most recent sermon audio. Let's have a listen. Good morning, everybody. Good crowd, looks great. My name is Dave Fox, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have a title, so I kind of hung out with Matthew West, who said, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave me a heart with a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. And uh, I hope you feel the same way, too, today. God bless you. Uh, Where to begin? Uh, Let me begin by saying that this has been one of the hardest messages to prepare that I have ever had. And uh, I'm not quite sure why, other than the subject matter and the fact that uh, either God wanted to give me a flavoring of what I'm going to share with you today, or uh, perhaps old Slewfoot wanted to see if he could trip me up. I don't know. We'll leave it up to you to decide. Uh, guys, can we bring that light right there down just a little bit? I appreciate it. A little more. Is it still glaring? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, how many of you have been to Ruth Crisp Steakhouse? Wow. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only cheapskate in town. Uh, I'm more of a buffet guy. How about a lot of us? Buffet, you know? Come on, yeah, you know, are you all like me? You go and you get that plate and you just load it up with crab salad and then on, you push it over and put a little potato on one side and a chicken stick in the other and, and uh, you, get, you just fill up and then you go back and fill it again, which is obvious. Uh, but I did get the chance to go to Ruth Chris one time and it was on a special where they had 90% off and so I could afford to go. It, for those of you who've never been to Ruth Chris, it's about 70 bucks for a steak, potato, and uh, some salad. But I got to tell you, uh, that's the best steak I ever had. And when I went away, I wasn't tasting crab salad. I was tasting a, a great filet mignon. And with just a, 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 an inkling of, of, of garlic mashed potatoes and uh, some great crisp vegetables. And I remembered that meal for a long time. Uh, unlike when I left, you know, primetime buffet. What's our buffet in town? I've forgotten already. Rose Garden or something garden. Uh, and a, a mentor of mine once said that a good sermon is like a, a fine meal. Present, uh, uh, preparation is very important. Presentation is equally important. But palatation, in other words, what are the people getting? Do they hear? What do they take away from it? Do they, are they going to remember it? Not the, not the one who's bringing it. You don't ever remember the waiter. You know, when he brings and sets that plate before you, you look down and you see something that's tremendous and you taste it and, oh man, this is good. And uh, I want to share Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 19 today, so you can be turning there and it'll be on the screen. But uh, this is a buffet. But I want to just take and scrape a few things off onto the plate and present them to you. And hopefully you'll leave here uh, with a, a, a great meal, having enjoyed the Word of God, 
having gained some things for the coming year and uh, something that uh, will equip us uh, to take a stand and to move on. So pray with me and let's get started. Father, we ask your blessing uh, concerning the word which we're about to share. We ask that distractions and, uh, Father, anything that would take away from the truths of this word would be removed. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would get me out of the way. And, Father, that nothing would be seen except Jesus Christ for who he is and what he is and what he means to us and what he wants to do in our world is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. A friend of mine once said <clears throat> that preaching is also like target practice. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Okay, you all didn't get that. If you just shoot wildly and just quote things wildly, uh, if you don't aim at something, you'll hit it every time. Well, today we're going to aim at the bullseye. And I believe what Paul had to say in this uh, sixth chapter of Ephesians was so important. And so I want to leave with this thought in mind, where do I stand in 2020? And for what do I stand? Uh, I believe that Paul, uh, it's evident, had a tremendous love for the Ephesians church. Uh, we don't have time to go back and talk about all of that this morning, but I'd encourage you to read Ephesians on a regular basis. He believed that these were men and women of God. He loved them. Uh, he sent many a, 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 a word of encouragement to them. Uh, and in this final chapter, as he's concluding his remarks, I think he shared four simple thoughts uh, that he wanted them to know. Uh, he really, truly believed that they needed to have a due diligence and discipline in their Christian life. Uh, and he concluded, I believe, with these four thoughts, and that is to be strong in the Lord, to make use of the provision that he's provided for us, to listen to his voice, and to join in the cause. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, to be strong in the Lord. Why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Why? Well, he says that, and let's read our verses. Verse 10. Finally, and that word finally, I, I, I'm kind of the kind of guy that takes the scripture like a wet sponge and just squeezes it until everything comes out of it. And I think that word finally is important. If you go back and read the earlier portions of the chapter, he says, listen, I know about your faith and it's great. I know you're strong. I know you used to be uh, 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 following the ways of the world, but now you're following the ways of Christ. And, and he, he, he gave them all of the, the kudos that they deserved, but he concluded with this one awesome and yet serious encouragement. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, in other words, in view of that principles of truth, in view of that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert 
and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we're at war. We're involved in a battle. You notice he said at the end of that verse, he said, these same things are accomplished in all uh, believers in other parts of the world. And that includes in other uh, areas of time. We're dealing with the same things that the Ephesians were dealing with. You say, well, they had, don't have to deal with abortion. Yes, they did. Well, they don't have to deal with drunkenness. Yes, they did. Drugs, maybe not the drugs we have now, but they had to deal with people who wanted to stay in an altered state of mind. Sin has always been about battling the soul. And Paul said, we need to be strong in the Lord. First Peter said this in First Peter 5, 8 and 9. He said, be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him in your own strength. No. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. I think the American church has forgot we're at war. We're at a battle. That's not a scolding. That's an encouragement and that is a declaration of reality. We've seen folks come into our, our congregation, even uh, the size of our congregation, who have come and who have been here for months, even some years, and all of a sudden they fall to the side and they go away. Could it be that they didn't understand that this is a war, this is a battle, and when things got tough, they didn't have what they needed to take their stand? We need to take our stand. The year 2020 is upon us. I'm not going to talk about resolutions or about politics or about any of that. I'm simply going to say Satan is pitching hard and heavy, and we need to know that, and we need to be ready for him. And I want to share just a few ways that we can be ready for him. First thing we need to understand is the enemy is spiritually evil, and he's strong. Whoa, wait a minute. You're saying Satan's strong? Yes. But God is stronger. Amen? We need to recognize what he's doing. As I prepared this, I had things come across my mind, and I, I, I do want to mention that, that I think the battleground for us, notice, go back to our passage up in uh, Ephesians, it said that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers, and the King James says principalities. We are battling against principles that are contrary to the truth of not only God, the truth of his word, and the truth proclaimed by the church. We need to be able to understand what those truths are and take a stand on them. We're at war. Verse 12 mentioned that the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I would love to be able to grab Satan by the collar and just slap him. But you can't. Because he's here or he attacks here and here. And so we need, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment, but we need the truth within us, the truth in our hearts, the truth in our minds. Jesus said, out of the mouth proceeds the things of the heart. So in other words, what we do outwardly is what's inside. We need to start here. And the reason I think this is so important is we have believers here today. Some of you have been believers for many years. I was counting up. Uh, I became a Christian in 1967. 
That's 53 years ago, if my algebra is right. 53 years. And yet, I still have to remind myself day by day, I'm at war. And I believe the truth. The enemy is strong. But you know what? Our weapons are spiritually good and stronger. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. You understand that? It's not a fleshly effort. And by the way, let me define that a little better. Just simply being in church, while that's a good thing, you can be encouraged, you can come alongside other people, those are all good things. But just being in church, being a member of the church, or saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, that is not what's going to win the battle. What wins the battle is Christ living within us, in our hearts. And Christ being there when we fall to pick us up, when we're winged and wounded to heal us. We do not live in a world, we do not, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. I get mad at Satan so often, but you know, my anger is not enough. Paul says, on the contrary, our weapons have divine power. Notice that, divine, God's power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Chapter 15, he said, thanks be unto God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of his might, that's our weapons. Have you joined that cause? We have to choose to engage the battle. Joshua said something in Joshua chapter 4 that I've never forgotten. He was speaking to the children of Israel, and the children of Israel had become a little bit confused, a little bit apathetic in their followings. If you've read the Old Testament, and some of you may not uh, have gotten into the Old Testament very deeply, but uh, the uh, Old Testament, uh, God's presence was an outward presence, and he influenced his people through prophets, uh, through his word, uh, and through his actions. We have the Holy Spirit now to dwell within to influence us from within. They didn't have that. And so they kind of had an up and down existence. And they got to the point where Joshua had to say, listen, folks, it's time to choose. We've reached a point now. This is what he says. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And he took his stand. Now, I don't believe Joshua was trying to be harsh here. I really don't, because he loved the nation of Israel, God's people. But he was trying to convey the urgency of taking a stand. And that's the thing about this first encouragement that I think Paul says he says, be strong in the Lord. That's where it all begins. As I said, some of us have been believers for quite some time, and we need to, to be reminded that we're at battle, and we need to stand strong. Some of you are seekers. You haven't yet determined in your heart and in your mind just how you feel about Christ, and that's okay. I like what Judd Wilhite said, it's okay to be broken. Just don't stay that way. We don't have to remain broken. You can take a stand of faith with Jesus Christ, and he will give you what you need to know that you've made the right decision. I was an amateur astronomer. I love Brother Bob Walters and 
what he does for our church from time to time with his telescopes and stuff. But I was into science, and uh, I began to hear as a young high school student all the little arguments about who God is and what he was and what he wasn't, and the, the ludicrousy of thinking that this great vast universe could even have a creator, that it was just all happenstance. And so in 1967, when the Holy Spirit began to really deal with my heart, because there was one question I couldn't answer, and that was, what's going to happen to me when I die? I'm going to live, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a job, I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to die. Then what? And that's the question, that emptiness that I had in my heart, that I reached out in faith and said, God, I don't know where this is going, but I want to go with you. And after I gave my life to him, the questions, the doubts begin to dissolve. I begin to read his word, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But I begin to understand that I'd made the right choice. Have you made the choice to be strong in the Lord? Everything else is predicated upon that. It all starts there. If you're seeking Christ, it's good that you're here this morning, but just being here is not enough. Have you come to the decision? Christ, I don't know where it's going, but I know that I want to go. I want to join the cause. Be strong in the Lord. The second thing uh, that Paul said here was to make use of his provisions. He said, be strong in the Lord, and he said that the strength comes from the armor of God. And he compares a, a, a word picture here of a soldier. Uh, I hesitated whether to use this. When I first looked at this outline, I reflected back on my military service. And uh, basically, I got on a bus, in the, uh, an airplane actually, in Fresno, flew to San Antonio, Texas, got on a bus, and got into a small gathering area with about 100 other men about two o'clock in the morning, upon which we were greeted and welcomed and uh, said, come this way, and we walked in, and there was a barber who butched us. And then we went into another room, and uh, we got our uniforms, and we got our duffel bags and all of our, our goods to go. And then we went into another room, and the drill instructor came in and said, shut up and listen up. And then there were some of us who were saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a soldier now, right? And there were some who were saying, oh, my lands, what have I gotten myself into? And I, I kind of looked at this, and I, I, I started to outline it, uh, join up, suit up, shut up, and listen up. <laughs> but I thought that might be a little harsh, especially for you younger people. Shut up is not a good word. Uh, but uh, if you've joined the cause, suit up. Make use of the provisions that he's given us. And, and, and he says that you want to put on that armor. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. I like the resolve in that. And I understand uh, that, that in the English translation, there's a little bit of uh, grammatical inflection there. But, but the truth of the matter is, he's saying, suit up so that you can stand. And when everything else fails, stand. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been attacked in what you're trying to do for God that was good and was right and, and, and you really wanted to, to, to see his hand in your life and just got slapped down? Did you stay down or did you stand up and take your stand? That's what God has given us. He's given us the provisions to do that. Now, there's a whole sermon series in the armor, and we don't have time. But I focused on one thing that I think is essential, and he said that is... Uh, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And a Roman soldier, the belt came around the midsection, and it held a metal 
a plated skirt to prevent vitals, protect vitals, as well as a breastplate of iron uh, to protect uh, the heart and the lungs. And it was all held together with a belt, which held also a sheath for the sword. The belt of truth, it's all right there. When we focus on the truth, everything else comes together. Uh, that's how we're able to make a choice to join the cause because someone preaches the truth of God's Word. Now, let me, let me say something. Man doesn't possess godly truth apart from divine intervention. We can't know the truth without God revealing it to us. Uh, Jeremiah said it this way, Lord, I know the way of a man is not in himself, and it's not in, in a man who walks to direct his own paths. We don't have that ability. And the proof is in the pudding, as Grandma used to say. If you're from the South, you might have a certain personality and characteristics which could be prejudicial. Not that people in West Coast aren't prejudicial. And there are people who think that that's right. There's a famous church, which I won't give the dignity to mention, that claims to be a Christian church who shows up at, at funerals and at weddings and at military things and, and spews hatred and visceral in the name of God. That's not truth. The truth of God's Word says, speak the truth in love. Come alongside. This is uh, uh, written by an unknown uh, author. It said, there are organizations in this world all trying to do their best to end human woes, to end poverty, to end crime, to help the dysfunctional, yet nothing seems to be getting better. In fact, the opposite is true. Why? Why can't psychologists, counselors, or professionals succeed in reducing the evils of this world? Could it be because many are looking for solutions outside of Christ, the creator of heaven and earth? You see, this world will never get better as long as man continues to trust their own solutions rather than God's purpose and God's provision. I believe that's a true statement. Uh, an example that I think of often in our own society here in the United States. Now, God bless and God help any of our folks, single parents. It's a hard road to hoe. But look what God established the family, and he established that, that, that protection of a mother and a father. When he established the, the community of family, which can translate later in life to the community in the church, when that was disrupted by man's selfishness and man's sin, look at the woes that have happened. Look at the crime. Look at the dysfunction. Because we've tried to do it somewhere different than God's way. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, if you're powerful, influential. Uh, Pilate in John 18, Jesus was brought to him. And uh, uh, Pilate uh, uh, he started to interview him. And he said, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Truth. You're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus said, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came in this world was to testify of the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there, and we know the rest of the story. He said, I find no fault in them. They yelled, crucify him. He said, whatever. He had the truth looking him right in the face. He had the presence of God and he couldn't understand it. Truth for the believer is tantamount. It's so important. And the truth, God chose to reveal truth 
through his son, Jesus Christ. John 14, a verse we all often look at and, and, and quote. He's, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 16, and this is what I think is, is really important. He said, Verily I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can hear and bear, but when he, the Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The truth is the main foundational thing that we can grasp that we can cleave to. How can we know truth? Jesus isn't here. But Jesus said when he leaves, the Holy Spirit would come and he would speak of him. How do we know that? The Bible. Here's what John MacArthur said. God wrote a book, just one book, and he was able to save everything he wanted to say. He said it without error, without flaw, without anything omitted or unnecessarily included. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God gave his book to man through the means of inspiration by the which the Spirit of God moved in human writers who wrote down the very words that God wanted them to write. The Bible is our source of truth, and it's trustworthy. It's a trustworthy record of everything we need to understand in order to know God and to effectively share him with the world. We have several opportunities in our church to get to know the Bible, but as a seeker, you have to sort that out before you can go any further. Do you trust the Word of God? After 53 years of serving Christ, I can tell you, I haven't been brainwashed. I know I'm mellow and I'm kind of a, an otter-type personality, but there are other things that I am analytical and adamant about, and the Word of God is one of those things. I've looked at the criticisms. I've looked at the supposed contradictions. I've looked at the things that people throw up in our face. I don't know if Jesus had long hair or not. I believe he did. Uh, I don't know if Mary was 14 or she was 18. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I know that the Bible teaches adamantly and without reservation, and it's been uh, uh, repeated for generations that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who sent his son Jesus Christ to live as a man, who died and was resurrected, and a Holy Spirit who can come within and confirm all of that, and he's one day coming again. Now that's what counts. That's what counts. I love the Michael Tate song about the, uh, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of it, but anyway, uh, the Apostles' Creed. It's just simply that. Believe in God the Father, believe in his Son, Jesus Christ. Believe that he lived, that he died, that he came and sent the Spirit, and he's coming back again. Here's what Peter had to say about the Word of God being trustworthy. I like Peter. Uh, by the way, uh, sidebar, uh, 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 the Bible, 66 books, written over a course of, I think, about 2,000 years or so. My math may be a little off there. By approximately 40 different writers, fishermen, tax collectors, high echelon societal people, low echelon. They all wrote separate and apart from one another, and that the work that they wrote, because the Holy Spirit inspired it, 
comes together beautifully, and it tells one story, and that's God's provision for man's salvation. Here's what he has to say, Peter. I love this. <clears throat> well, first of all, he said you need to understand uh, we didn't believe fairy tales. He said we didn't believe uh, crafted, de designed fairy tales when we preached the word of truth to you. He said, we were there, we were eyewitnesses. He says, his divine power, there's that word again, has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very nature and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. For this reason, in other words, because God's gone through all of this effort and all of this preparation to give us what we need, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In whom or in what will you trust? Paul said to the young believer, Timothy, for as you, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. And I want to highlight that. Be convinced. Now, you can't be convinced unless you enter into a, 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 an argument with open eyes and an open heart and an open mind. But recognize the half-truths, the half-truths that, uh, that come at us every day from the world. Define truth. Lay it up against the Word of God and see where it goes. Be, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those of whom you've learned and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which you're able to make wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The truth, the belt of truth, how important is it to you? To believers... Are we giving God's word an equal part in our lives as Netflix? I have Netflix. Are we giving God's word the effort? Do we value it as precious as we value our other books, our other activities? We live in a society that is full of distractions, and they're not all bad. Again, Satan uses half-truths. He uses things which are marginal to confuse us and to keep us off track. The Word of God, cinch it up. Cinch up your belt. To you who are seeking, who are searching out faith, look at the truth of God's Word. Don't believe it because Peter or I or someone else says it. Believe it because you read it and in your heart you say, Almighty God, is this for me? Is this what I'm to believe? Thirdly, not only do we need to join the cause and take advantage of what he's going to equip us with, we need to listen to his voice. In verse 18, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions 
with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thing that you do? Well, me, I sat on the edge of the bed until my head quit spinning. And then I get up and I go and I look at the mirror and I look at my watch and I go, I'm getting too old for this stuff. <laughs> but do we face the day saying, Lord, what have you got for me today? Where's this day going to lead? One man wrote in the scriptures, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it wherever it goes. And folks, I'm here to tell you, and again, after 53 years of faith and Christian walk, there are days when it's here and there are days when it's here. I had one of these days one time I had to go to every man in my shop and apologize to him. That's how low that day was. And even in that day, Jesus said, now, did you learn anything? What truth? Did you forget to cinch your belt that morning? Then he was right, I didn't. Let me read something to you. I think it's so important. And that's this. I don't have the author, but he said that Christians describe prayer as a conversation with God. In prayer, Christians lift their minds and hearts to God. There are many different kinds of prayer. Adoration, which is praising God for his goodness and his greatness uh, and dependence on him. Confession, owning up to sin and asking for God's mercy. Most Christians believe prayer deepens a person's faith. Praying can help the believer come to a greater understanding of God's purpose in their life. Real quickly, four simple kinds of prayer. Communion, all day long. Now, I drive a bus out of the base. I can't be on, the, on my knees on the floorboard with my eyes closed, steering and praying. But you know what? And I've done it many a time. I can be cruising up that road and look off to the west and see that beautiful sunset or to the east and see that beautiful sunrise. I can be listening in violation of federal law. I shut it off when the troops get on. Uh, Christian radio, and I can hear a song that speaks to my heart, and I can just say, thank you, God. Man, I'm so glad I can see this. That's communion prayer all day long. You say, well, wait, I, I'm a bookkeeper. I've got to keep my mind on my work. You can still commune with God. God, thank you for this job. And I don't know, maybe you're this way, maybe you're this way. My wife, she could do this. She could blur a nine key, or what do they call it, ten key? Ten key? She could just, yeah, I'm going to have uh, bacon and eggs. You know, okay. I, I don't know how you do it. And those of you that are bookkeepers, God bless you. But communion all day long, communion with God. Supplication, lifting our needs. You don't wait till they pile up and on Sunday come to church and say, oh, God, here's my list. As you go and as you live in that spirit of communion and as you see your need come to pass, God, I need help with this. That old boy is yanking my chain. I just want to slap him. God, give me love for him. Help me to understand what he'd be like if he were a child of yours. Praying, submitting to God. And how about intercession? God be with Lucy Watkins. She hadn't been able to be with us for several weeks. Bless her heart, Lord. God, be with some of our seniors and shut-ins who can't be here. God, encourage them. Those are acts of prayer, things which not only benefit the others, but which strengthen us and enable us to stand strong in the Lord. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. We've mentioned this prior. For the weapons we fight with, on the contrary, they're not worldly. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then finally, would you join in the cause? Would you join up? Take your stand. Get equipped. Put on the truth and get marching. Paul in that 19th verse said, pray for me. This is the greatest man other than Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He wrote 12 something, 13 books in the New Testament. He was one individual prior to his conversion that uh, held, uh, uh, was a mentored by a man who held the title of Rabban, which was the highest Jewish rabbi position. He was a Jew of Jews. He had every religious credential who could have, and God got him down on his knees, and in desperation, he cried out, Oh, Lord, what would you have to do with me? And he said, Get up and go, and I'll tell you. And he became one of the greatest Christian leaders in all of the New Testament. And he said this to the Ephesians, Pray for me. Pray that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He said, join me. Be a part of this great ministry. Folks, we were a pretty good-sized church, as the average church goes in America. And in Hanford, we're just one of, of uh, many churches. And we're all part of one family. We don't all agree with everything that the other person may do. But those that hold to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ are with us to wage war against Satan, to build the kingdom of God in Kings County. We need to pray for one another. We need to come together. Peter talks about the oikos in our, our group. Uh, koinonia is a word that's used in, uh, in the New Testament. And koinonia is a word that refers to community as well as a place in that community. And you as a believer are not alone. Paul told the young Timothy, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering, he told Timothy, like a good soldier of the cross. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. We don't have time remaining this morning, but in your bulletin there's an insert, and it talks about the upside of community. And there are uh, ten things, I believe, uh, that talk about the benefits of community. And community is simply this, coming together as believers. Coming together as believers. All of us young and old alike. We're one family. I'm 67 years old. I'm here for you. You're 18 or 20 years old. Be there for me. I need your enthusiasm, your, your energy, your new perspective, your fresh perspective. We stand together. We've said a lot about small groups, but the, the, the greatest thing that I can say about small groups is the community. Our group got big and, and we branched off. And I got to tell you, it broke my heart to, to leave some of them. I, I miss the carriers. But you know what? They've gone to another group. Some others that were in ours have gone to another group. And they're building community. Amen. I love it. We're in this together. 
Let me finish with just this story. Bud Ike is a member of our church, longtime member, and he's also a member of the Civil War Association. And several years ago, he invited a bunch of us guys to go out to Arosi in the foothills east of, of, of Visalia there, or actually Dinuba, I guess, uh, to see uh, there was five, Bud, are you here? Bud? Okay. Was there, there was five or six cannons, weren't there? Civil War cannons. Uh, of the six, three of them were, were original. They weren't replicas. They were original cannons that were in the Civil War. Now, being a red-blooded American boy, we're talking gunpowder and eight-ball lead shots, and then there was one that had 25 little shots, and they're shooting these things off onto a hill that's uh, about a quarter mile away. There was a cave, a small cave, and they were trying to shoot uh, into that cave hole, and we're eating it up. Boy, we're going, yeah, you know, boom. And uh, by the way, when we were walking back to the car at the end of the day, this little boy came running. The cars were parked about uh, two or 300 yards the other side, uh, from where the cannons were shooting, this kid came back with a cannonball fragment that had fractured on the rocks and came all the way back. But as we're enjoying this, they had up on the hill about 30 white plastic barrels. And those plastic barrels were filled with water. And I asked the guy, what is that? He said, oh, that, that's to represent a, a regiment. I said, Really? He said, yeah, the water in the plastic is about the same consistency as a human body. And they fired off a round that had those 20-some-odd balls in the cannon. And as it hit those buckets, it went right through the first row into the second and a couple into the third row. And I was silenced because I realized that men who marched in the war, and not only the Civil War, but even prior to that in the, in the American, British-American wars, they went out in regiment. And if you were in the front one or two rows the day of the battle, you were going to die or you were going to be seriously maimed. And yet those men got up, they formed up, joined up, and marched. Why? They believed in their cause. I was sobered. I, I, I was just, it, it really affected me. How do you believe in something so strongly that you're willing to die for it? And a point that needs to be taken, both sides believed in their cause, yet there was only one victory. Peter made the point a couple of weeks ago. As you consider who Jesus Christ is and what he means to your life, you will make a choice. And you will live and you will die with that choice. Have you made the right choice? Where do you stand this morning? For whom do you stand? Church, do we believe enough in the cause of Christ amongst us that we're willing to die for it, or better yet, willing to live for it? Willing to pay the price, pay the hardship? I'm going to tell you, at, at 67, I didn't consider myself old till 66. I really didn't. 
This 67th birthday has ate my lunch, man. But it's 67 years old. I'm starting to think, okay, now if I live like Grandpa Fox, I've got 26 years left. Only thing is, I don't look like Grandpa Fox, so maybe I haven't got 26 left. Jeff Milhan did a, a, a journal thing with us years ago. And in writing it, he said, just write your heart. And I said, you know, I look back and realize, you know, if I only knew then what I know now and how I wish I could go back. But then something the Lord, he could have been sitting right next to me and said, he said, I'm not interested in where you've been. I'm interested where you're going. What are you going to do with the time you have left? Folks, I've joined. I've suited up. I'm coming alongside you, and I'm going out swinging. I'm going out fighting. I'm going to fight for the cause of Christ, not with one another, but I'm fighting Slewfoot. I'm fighting the devil. I'm going to go out fighting what he's doing to our, our sons and our daughters, our sisters and our brothers who yet don't know Christ. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to fight until he takes me home. Are you willing to join? Would you join me in that commitment this year? As we look at, at, at our church, we're not interested in making some kind of impressive uh, uh, mark on our community. We need to make a mark for Christ. And with this many people, we have hundreds of friends and family members that haven't made the right choice yet that are listening to the ways of the world and listening to the weak arguments, we can stand strong in the Lord and we can stand strong with the truth of the gospel buckled around us. Will you join me? Let's pray. Father, our strength is not in ourselves as much as we love one another and, and want to support one another, sometimes we don't do too good a job at that. Forgive us, Father. Help us to come alongside one another. But, Father, our strength is in Christ alone. In Christ alone I put my trust. God, in this year to come, would you bring your church together? God, would you allow us to reach beyond what we feel and what we think and to get into the scriptures and to get into the truth of the matter. And the matter is, is that you have sent us into a world to seek and to save the lost. God, allow us to do that and allow us to come alongside and nurture and to bring to maturity new faith in Christ. And Father, for those that are here this morning, those that are still seeking, those that are still trying to sort it out, God, it would thrill my heart if today would be the day that they would say in their heart and in this prayer, God, I don't have all the answers, but I know one thing. I want you in my life. And the ABCs of faith, so simple, but yet so powerful, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I can't do it on my own. The things, we, we join Paul, the greatest part, New Testament writer that we have, who said, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me? Thanks be unto God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may they pray that prayer this morning. I acknowledge I'm a sinner, and I believe that you sent Jesus Christ.
to die for my sins and see, God, I commit my life to you. I confess and I commit my life to you and I accept your forgiveness. Lord, would you allow us to face this new year in strength and in victory because we belong to the right side. We belong to the creator of all living things. We're your children. Keep us humble, but may we be proud in you and in your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. All heads are still bowed and the musicians are going to come. If you're here this morning and you're a seeker and you've prayed that prayer of faith, ABC, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I confess my sins. I'm going to ask you as we are going to stand in a moment to be dismissed. I'm going to ask you if you'd come forward. Pastor Jeff, Donna and Paul Klein and myself are going to be up front here. And we want to just pray and thank God for that decision that you've made. If you're a believer here this morning and you want to take a stand for the year to come, it's been a rough year for you, and you want to just let God know that you have joined the cause, that you're going to be equipped with truth, and you're going to come alongside others to, to, to seek God's purpose and plan for your life, I invite you to come too. So would you stand as we pray the benediction? Stand with me, please. After we pray, if you'd like to come forward for prayer, please come. Father, we now go from this place. I pray that we would take a stand, not only in our hearts, but outwardly, and declare, I'm part of the cause. I've joined God's kingdom, and I'm anxious to see where he takes me. Give us a good year to come. May all that we do glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FBH Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon. Music was by the band Broke for Free. And if you would like more information about our church, feel free to check out fbhanford.org. That's fbhanford.org. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.